0: Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on patreon.com. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Al, Rebecca, and Dives are going to ruminate on the Great and Spacious Beehive. This week is March 5th, 2023, episode 49 coming your way. We have uh, some follow-up with the SEC Fine Fallout continues. Um, the Dilbert comic strip has been yanked from the Deseret News. We're going to read about that. The LDS church missionaries have been in the spotlight. This time, it's uh, not good news. And leaked the LDS uh, Temple Square revamp plans. So welcome, Rebecca
1: and d Hey, it's great to be here, Al. How's it going, Rebecca?
2: Great, great. Happy to be here again.
1: Thanks so much for coming on. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send us an email to kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's K-O-L-O-B. I'd like to uh, thank Eric, our newest Patreon supporter. Uh, Thanks for the Delaware shout out, my friend. And I understand, Rebecca, that you've got our
2: Mormon Joke of the Week. I do have the Joke of the Week, and I chose this joke because it's about a drummer, and I myself am a drummer. Back in the day, I had a garage band, and I have played cul-de-sacs up and down the Wasatch Front, so... The joke is, have you heard about the Mormon drummer that married four women of the same name? No. And one, and a two, and a three, and a four.
1: <laughs> well, Everyone, you know, it's right. terrible. but <laughs> no, it's, it's awful. <laughs> every mormon joke has to have polygamy in it i think that's a requirement Mm -hmm.
0: it has
2: to be it's just so laughable (laughs) but
0: but yeah to be clear the church has nothing to do with polygamy right of course not hasn't since 1890
2: or 1904 or yes
1: disclaimer Mm -hmm. yeah so we've got some uh we want (laughs) to give a shout out to signature books who uh um who's who's our sponsor for this podcast we really appreciate that and uh, rebecca you've got some interesting stuff happening at signature book this week right
2: I do there is an event happening there it's a panel discussion and this is actually rescheduled from a couple weeks ago when we had a massive snowstorm here in Utah and had to reschedule but this is a panel to discuss dr. clandestine now if you don't know what that is um, you may remember in under the banner of heaven um, the faith crisis that was precipitated by reading this red book um, it was a scene in the in the cat in the front seat of the car so that red book was a book written by the tanners that kind of exposed some truths about Mormonism well the church in order to sort Of combat that came up with its own little pamphlet kind of on the down low, and someone named Dr. Clandestine wrote it, who turned out to be Michael Quinn <laughs> by all reports. So they put wow. this pamphlet out kind of through other channels, and then there was a rebuttal. Anyway, it was this very shadowy, covert ops kind of thing that happened um, in the 70s and 80s. So there's going to be a panel discussion at the Signature Books headquarters in Salt Lake on Thursday the 9th at 7 p.m., and they're going to have some of the major players in that, like um, Sandra Tanner, some other people will be there. It's going to be fascinating. If you're not familiar with this part of church history, it's a really interesting chapter. So this is happening at Signature Books. It should be really good.
0: Yeah, this is exciting news. Thanks for bringing that up to us.
2: Yeah,
1: yep. and you can come on over to SignatureBooks.com and you can see what uh, selections they have available. Now, we're going to do some follow-ups here from last week. We discussed the, in great depth last week the uh, SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, fined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints $1 million and the church's investment arm, Enzyme Peak Advisors, $4 million. Now, there hasn't necessarily been news that has come out since then. We spent a great deal of time on that. But what's interesting here is our one of our competitors is called the Cultural Hall. They do a podcast as well. And they put out a poll here that was taken by three. People and the poll was either from the pulpit or in the hallways or in your class was the church slash sec find mentioned today, and ninety percent of people said that it was not brought up at all at church. How do you feel about that, Al? Um <clears throat> I guess
0: I'm not all that surprised. Um, those who are uh you know still going to church every Sunday and uh still uh you know carrying the banner are um they're putting their blinders on to anything that might be uh considered anti And anti uh, by um, what the the LDS culture means anything that's not uh, fervently supporting the church. So this is this is it's not terribly surprising to me that there wasn't a lot of people talking about it at church.
1: Now, Rebecca, in your Mormonish podcast that you're the co-host of, uh, you did a whole episode on this. So what has been the aftermath of the SEC fallout?
2: Yeah, we absolutely did. And I have to say, it's our most watched episode by hundreds of views. So that tells me that people are really interested. And I think that most faithful Mormons, they only read faithful sources. So they they read the Deseret News, they read KSL, and the story wasn't quite presented in its entirety. And then, of course, you have that final line line on both of those sources that says, we consider the matter closed. And that's said by the church. So when the church says we consider the matter closed, it's closed. But what we did on Mormonish is we went out to different social media sites, and we kind of um, looked at what are faithful people saying? How do they describe this and they were kind of fell into 10 different categories i won't go into all of them now it's on our mormonish podcast but basically things like um bad advice from lawyers or small fines so it's really a small problem or it's not the church it's this thing called epa you know there's just a real sense of just completely dismissing it which i understand mm-hmm. because i don't think they have the big picture and how would they
1: yeah. Now, so it's been a week since the SCP fine was announced. I'm not aware of a single church leader or so-called faithful apologist who's denounced the church's handling of uh, EPA or rebuked church leadership. No one has resigned their resigned their paid church position. No one has a- asked to be released from their calling at a, at a high level. Now, and this is, I thought that the baptismal covenant that we made, we were supposed to be witnesses for God at all times and in all places. But I guess there must be a caveat that you need to close your eyes if any senior church leaders are involved in something shady, um, then I guess you shouldn't be a witness. Somehow, I don't remember that caveat when I was baptized when I was eight years old by my 16-year-old brother. I think it's implied. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess that would be evil speaking of the Lord's anointed. But is it evil speaking if you're telling the truth? Is that evil speaking? I mean, serious question. Are you able able to speak evil of the Lord's anointed if they perpetuate billions in investment fraud, or do we just need to keep, sweet, pray, and obey?
0: Yeah, what happens if the Lord's anointed are doing evil? Then are you allowed to speak evil of them? Uh, Good question.
2: No, that's kind of a double negative. And it's also impossible in the church structure because they're inspired Mm -hmm. men and they're speaking for God. So there will be no evil. It may be something you don't understand. There may be more to the story that you're just not aware of yet, but you have to trust that what they're doing is good and true.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most uh, active uh, Mormon apologists is Jim Bennett, who did the uh, <laughs> response to the CS letter that has been, I think, the best response to the CS letter. We've had him on mm-hmm. this broadcast, and Bill Real asked him on Facebook um, about the SEC and say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And Jim Bennett, I want to quote his response. It's very informative. Um, mm-hmm. He said, quote, I'm happy to discuss this with you privately, but I don't like being baited or ambushed, and this feels like both, end quote. And oh. this is what I don't understand here. We've had Jim Bennett on this program. How is asking someone their opinion about the morality of church leaders' conduct or anyone else's conduct an ambush? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, baited it, it's, an because,
2: ambush. it's because it's an indefensible position and, and they know it. That's exactly it. And I have to say, um, knowing a lot of post-Mormon podcasters and people, they are, they are, I think, a lot of them very disappointed and, and shocked in this whole thing, because I think they thought that some of the apologists would have a little wiggle room there to say, yeah, that's, you know, so especially Bill Real, I saw him be almost devastated, really, in just the response from people that he tried to contact, like Jim Bennett, some others to just say, come on, you know, please, let's have a dialogue. But no, nope, the door is shut. It's absolutely shut.
1: Yeah. And Jim Bennett, he went on to further say that it was uh, deliberately unkind to even bring these matters up. So I guess I guess for him and a lot of people that I can tell, like I said, 90 percent of people didn't bring it up in church. Kindness is staying silent after being misled and lied to. You know, it's funny that Jesus didn't stay silent on the corruption that he found himself surrounded with. He called it out frequently.
0: Poor Jim. I think it sounds like his feelings have been hurt just by bringing this up.
1: I don't know. You know, that's why I say I keep going back to what Bishop Kaze said about the management Mm. of the EBA funds. He said that they were managed by the spirit of revelation. Is that the same spirit Uh, that President uh, Nelson tapped into to repeal the policy of exclusion? Is that the same spirit in which President Nelson tinkered with the uh, temple ordinances so much? Is it the same spirit of revelation that he uses for the rest of his ministry? Because if perpetuating billions in investment fraud robs one of the spirit, then would not the first presidency for 22 years be devoid of the spirit?
0: I would say so since 1997.
1: Right. I mean, if the spirit of revelation (laughs) that was used to manage the widow's might cannot be relied upon as a moral, ethical and uh, law abiding divine source, then how can we rely upon that same spirit of revelation in other temporal and spiritual matters? That's the that's the issue that we're facing here.
2: I think it's selective. You know, you can pick and choose <laughs> what meets your sense of morality. And I do have to say that I was just on a podcast, a Mormon Stories mo- podcast, where we dug into the widow's might for three hours. And it's very informative if any of your viewers would be interested in looking at that. It was a Mormon Stories podcast episode today all about the widow's might. We had an accountant, RFM, some other people. So I, my, get educated on this. Just understand what this is so that you can talk to people and maybe in a kind way kind of explain to them what's happening.
0: The Widow's Mind is an excellent resource as well because, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're very on the up and up. These guys are not uh, anti-Mormon. They don't have any kind of uh, an axe to grind or anything. They're just laying it out in in ways that uh, kind of, uh, what, simplify it for the layman.
2: Yeah. yeah. And numbers don't lie. And, and I did learn right. that today on the podcast that the widow's might it's made up now of about a group of 12 people and they, many of them are still attending church. They may be nuanced, mm-hmm. but they really just, they want to show the numbers and, and they will also call out critics of the church if they make grandiose statements about money and they'll say, no, no, that's not right. So Al's absolutely correct. They're, they're just mm-hmm. truth tellers and crunching yeah. the numbers that don't lie.
1: As long as those 12 members of the widow's might don't have 12 shell companies, I'm perfectly fine with it. It's not, it's no problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that just, it, it speaks volumes, though, seriously, that, that in the 25-year history of Enzyme Peak, there's only been one whistleblower. Just let that settle in. There's mm-hmm. only been one person. What does that say, Al, about Mormon loyalty? What does that say about LDS ethics? Uh, it seems to me
0: that there's, uh, they really turn the screws to their people to make sure that they're loyal. And uh, yeah. about LDS ethics... Um, Wow. Uh, I, it seems to me that the, a lot of people hide behind the curtain of, well, if the brethren have told us to do it, then it's okay. It's on them, not on me. But there's uh, there's obviously some very intelligent people who were asked to head up the um, these shell companies uh, from Enzyme Peak. And they were asked to do it, and they backed out and said, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to sign our names to that because we can go to prison."
2: That's surprising to me because I feel like when you talk about loyalty, it's that phrase Mm -hmm. from the Mountain Meadows Massacre, do your duty, Mormon, you know, which is what they said to the men who probably balked at what they were being asked to do. So I think that phrase, do your duty, Mormon, that has transcended the centuries. And I think you see that manifest here in Ensign Peak.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. next, next general, this is my prediction. Next general conference, which is o- in only one month, you're going to see this is my prediction. You're going to see something that you've never seen before in that conference center. I, I, I'm going out on a limb here that says that you're going to see 100 people cast a no vote in that. Uh, Mark this on your calendar. Th- this is not going to be a regular sustaining this next general mm-hmm. conference. Really? We're going to see something unprecedented here because people, uh, uh, this is a straw for a lot of people. This is not mm-hmm. acceptable and this is not cool. Yeah. You know, that's why a lot of Latter-day Saints, you know, they want to be led by people whose hands are clean from the blood and sins of this generation. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's yeah. you know who shall who shall ascend to the hill uh, mountain of the Lord? He that has a, a clean hands and a pure heart. That's uh, mm-hmm. in the book of Joshua scripture mastery. OK, yeah. so when you're deliberately for years, um, you know, covering things up and not being honest, that's not clean hands. That's not a pure heart. Um, You know, I got an email from my stake president this last week um, where it said that uh, today somebody is using a fictitious name and they circulated an email to many members of the church in the Annandale stake. And it talked about the SEC. Uh, Fine. Now, I didn't get the the whistleblower or the leaked email. I only got the stake president's response. But what he said is, if the topic of the SEC settlement interests you, then please reference the church's public statement. And that's it. Can't go beyond it. Can't, can't, can't go mm-hmm. less than it. Can't go beyond it. The church's statement, it just stands for itself. And there's nothing else that can be added to this matter.
2: And there's mm-hmm. no more. You know whose email that is, don't you? That's Nemo's email. Oh. <laughs> he drafted that and made it available to anybody that wanted to pass it on to anyone who might be interested. Obviously, this person in your stake or an adjacent stake said, oh, I'm just going to send it to everybody on member tools. So yeah. Do you do you think, can I ask you, do you think there'll be any kind of statement made at conference or any kind of gesture? Like, will they suddenly donate billions of dollars? Is there, there going to be any mention in any way? Will they change anything? Or do you just think silence?
1: No. And what Al said, Al said last week, what did you say about the auditing committee? What do you think is going to happen with that, Al?
0: My prediction is that they're just going to stop auditing. They're going to stop reporting the audit altogether. Acknowledge
1: it. They're just going to go silently go away. Just like the statistics, what they did with the statistics, since it's not as flattering anymore that the church is mm-hmm. not growing, they released those, but it's off of the site. It's still released at general conference time, but you have to go to a website. The same thing probably else is going to happen with the audit. still going to mm-hmm. be audited. It's just not going to be mentioned in the general conference anymore. You That's know what right. I mean? And somebody mm-hmm. also, you've heard of the CES letter. Somebody put together mm-hmm. the sccletter.org which kind of does wow. the same thing as the CES letter, but for the SEC letter. This mm-hmm. is an issue that is going that uh, people are not going to let this go away. This is going to be yeah. around for a long time, especially with the IRS potentially looking mm-hmm. at it. The IRS timeline for this could be a decade. It could take them that yeah. long to get through all of the, the filings and, and, and sort this all out. This yeah. is going to be around a long time.
0: Well, when it comes to like uh, money, it's not just the greedy that like it and it's very important to them. Everybody, their money is important to them.
2: There's even talk of a class action lawsuit. I know that RFM put out a incredibly popular TikTok video that off the charts, like almost 100,000 views saying, what do we think about this? This kind of opens the door to a lot of other possibilities now that it's more corporate fraud. So who knows? Stay tuned, everybody.
1: Yeah. And we'd like to hear your thoughts. We're at, at NewsMormon on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the SEC. And you know, what's interesting, Al, as we look this up, uh, Latter-day St. Mag is one of my favorite magazines. It is really a gem. And we looked it up and last week they didn't cover the SEC scandal at all, but this week they did uh, sort of. What's going on with that, Al? So uh,
0: yeah, it's it's not about the SEC scandal per se. It just happened to come out that they did a, an article uh, by Gail Boyd, released mm-hmm. on March 2nd, A Financial Journey, Fulfilling Prophecy, and Buzzing Saints. So it's about the finances of the church and how uh-huh. those uh, finances have been handled over the years from the 1830s to the present day. And um, this is, uh, it, it still toes that line of, oh, the any monies that have been collected for, for the church, uh, specifically tithing or funds to build temples, especially when, you know, in the 1830s, when uh, they were so poor in Kirtland, they didn't have any uh, any two dimes to, to rub together. But uh, yeah, the, the church has always used it for good.
1: What, how about the timing of this particular article in Latter-day Saint Mag, Rebecca?
2: Yeah, no, it's always like that. When something happens, they're not going to address it, but they're going to put out an awful lot of counterpoint and just basically fill the airways with all of these positive messages so that nobody can see anything through this smoke screen. And that's just, that's a classic PR tactic. Just flood the airways. And it works. It absolutely works.
1: Yeah, and in the same magazine also, there was another article this week that it says, your hardest family question, how do I cultivate humility after being betrayed? (laughs) The irony, the irony of releasing that now, it's not talking about the SEC scandal, but the irony, I, I need this article because I need humility right now because I am extremely worked up. So the, the irony of this and the timing of Latter-day Saint mag I honestly think, are they trolling us? Are you serious with releasing one article about the blessings of tithing and how everything it, it, it touches lives and it blesses everyone? I'm not going to talk about the SEC. And then the next one is how do I cultivate humility <laughs> after being betrayed with no sense of irony whatsoever?
0: Yeah, let me tell you, who feels more betrayed than the poor little convert in a third world country, anywhere around the world, who's been told by their missionaries that the, if you ever come to a position where you have the question, do I pay tithing or do I buy food for my family, always pay tithing first? Uh, that's the ultimate betrayal, I think.
1: Yeah, and I continue to say that the Hardest Family Questions section of the Latter-day Saint Mag is pure gold. I, I'm never disappointed by what it is that they think are the oh, Hardest yeah. Family Questions. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I need to subscribe
2: uh-huh. to this magazine. I've never heard of it. I feel like... This, episode, this issue the magazine could be like an answer to a prayer. Like, say you have a faithful person who sort of hears some rumblings that something's going on. They open this magazine and they're like, oh, yeah, re- reminder that tithing is used for this. And then I feel a little weird, maybe betrayed. Oh, look, there's another article that addresses that. It's my fault. I need to pray harder so that I feel okay. You know, close the magazine and you're, you're good. Back in business.
1: Yeah, it's just amazing. And you also brought this up in our coordination call, by the way. If you like additional content, we put a, a bonus content up on Patreon. If you want to support us there, we have a couple of different tier le- levels, and we put a bonus, a, a small bonus episode on there based upon our coordination call this week, where we talked about the church's use of the of the word tithing over time in General Conference. And if you look back from when Ensign Peak was first founded in uh, 1997 until now, and in fact, the entire course of church history, tithing really peaked around 1890s when the church was in financial straits. Then it went down mentions in General Conference. It went back up in the 60s when it was, you know, again, the church was overspent because of David O. McKay uh, buying too many buildings. And then when Ensign Peak was finally brought into fruition, into existence in the late 1990s, that's when the church leaders really knew that tithing is really not needed anymore. and you you see that tithing really goes down in the mentions of general conference over the last few years, unless uh, with a big caveat of Gordon B. Hinckley. He was big on tithing, but you know, Rebecca, oh, yeah. why is it that tithing has gone down so much uh, since 1997?
2: Well, I feel like it's uh, the mention of it at the upper levels has gone down, but at the lower levels, it absolutely—I mean. There's one time a year when somebody is hauled into church and you have to proclaim and defend yourself, and that's over finances. That's over tithing. You don't have a fasting interview. You don't have any other, you know, any other kind of interview. It's this money. And so on the lower levels, they didn't get the memo that we're kind of not talking about it anymore. And certainly tithing is the gateway to attending the temple. In my situation, I've talked about it before I worked at BYU. I was a partial tithe payer. My job was threatened until I came up with the money. It's the gatekeeping element for members to be able to participate fully in the church. So they're going to hammer on it in the lower ranks. And I think the church always counts on that. They're not going to say anything upper ranks that could be quoted. They're going to make sure that the other people, you know, keep that party line going.
0: That's a really good point, Rebecca, <clears throat> that you make. And it's the only thing that they uh, check up with you on once yeah. a year is your money. They don't check up with you on yeah. how's your, uh, you know, daily scripture study going. Are you mm-hmm. praying daily? Uh, yeah. They're, they're very concerned about, are you giving the church your money?
1: All these uh, episodes on YouTube, if you can drop a thumbs up, if you can give us a subscription, we'd be very grateful for that. Now, very briefly, the church released a uh, published an 1883 prison journal of Bell Harris, which I found uh, absolutely fascinating here. So Bell Harris was a uh, one the only woman who went to prison back in the late 1800s as a result of polygamy. How'd you feel about this Bell Harris article, Rebecca?
2: Well, this was very interesting to me. To me. I grew up with uh, very orthodox parents. I've talked about this before. So we actually had a framed picture of our polygamist ancestor in prison back in the same era in the black and white striped clothes. Of course, he was he was a male and he was there, but it was a source of pride in my family. You know, here is our ancestor going to prison for the cause. Well, this is exactly what Belle did. She She didn't lie in court, but she would not state if she was married in, or involved in a polygamous marriage. And so in this case, the judge decided, I guess, to make an example of her and actually sent her to prison with her newborn nursing baby, which is why she had to bring the baby along. And so she she actually became sort of a celebrity and kept this journal. There were many notables that visited her in prison because, I mean, she's absolutely the epitome of what a Mormon woman and man too should be, willing to suffer for the cause, willing not to lie, but perhaps to make sure that you don't reveal anything that would be you know, detrimental to the church, so I'm. It's so interesting. They they release these journals. Um, they're talking about them in all the the church newspapers and magazines. And I'm thinking, does anyone see the dark side of this a little bit? I mean, <laughs> it's a rather tragic situation. But yeah. these are celebrated journals. I haven't read them. I want to because I'm very curious. I'm, I'm sure she was just again towing the party line and was a martyr for the faith.
0: Yeah, it's exactly what it is, and that's why they're uh, releasing it right now. It's kind of sinister to think about that message. That yeah, you should be willing to go to prison and uh, do your time rather than throw the church under the bus.
1: Our next article here, uh, Rebecca, you're uh, on this one too here. You're you're all over the news here, but a push to require clergy to report abuse stalls in uh, the Utah. There was a rally yesterday. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the church, there's a priest penitent privilege on the books in Utah. They tried to overturn it, but unfortunately it's dead for good now. Um, what's going on with that, Rebecca?
2: Yeah, this is really unfortunate because, of course, with the sex abuse scandals and that being in the news last fall, there was a huge push for this bill. I actually attended the rally then. My friends and I ended up on the front page of the Washington Post holding up signs, you know, and there were a lot of people there just trying to say, look, Utah, we need to change this. We absolutely need to do something about this. And so we were all really hopeful as it kind of made its way through the legal process. And then just in the last few weeks, it kind of came out that kind of like a lead balloon, wah, 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 wah. Um, and I know you guys covered it before, but now nationally, they're starting to cover it, and headlines say things like "In predominantly Mormon Utah, this bill, you know, has stalled." So that's a very negative connotation. And there was a rally yesterday. I wasn't able to attend that, but I had some friends that did, and, and there were people, you know, speeches, talks, and they marched around the Capitol again, saying, "Come on, you know." Again, it's one of those situations. Where you're like, "Can you not see this? It's just so bad optically, and so bad for the people that need help, and the people that re- are being abused or not getting help because of this ridiculous uh, law in the books, and it needs to be changed." So that's my soapbox. <laughs>
0: Personally, I don't think there's any way to separate this from the fact that uh, this is a predominantly Mormon state, and I think the church really has its fingers intertwined with the legislature, and I think it's very clear to people that that's exactly what happens. Otherwise, why would the uh, legislature come out and say, well, we're going to just leave that to the churches, uh, because we feel like they're doing a good enough job as it is. Um, Clearly, they're not. The AP article says as much.
1: Yeah, 85% of the Utah legislature is Latter-day Saint. If the church told or came out with a statement that says that we are in favor of the Either background checks for um, people who work with uh, children in the church, or to uh, repeal the so-called priest penitent privilege, I, I can almost guarantee you that it would get passed. The fact that the churches remain silent it tells the lawmakers here that the status quo must be acceptable. Otherwise, we would hear different marching orders. Now, uh, our it. next article here is uh, apostles around the world. Here, see where church leaders traveled in February. So, Elder Gong was in Mexico. Elder Cook was in Madagascar. Elder Utdorf was in India, and Elder Rendland was in Honduras. And that just made me think here that some apostles seem to travel quite a bit, and uh, some don't, and some are witnesses of the name of Christ to all the world, and some are just witnesses to their own tiny gated communities in the suburbs of Salt Lake City. So there are definitely some uh, folks who do travel, and then there's some who don't. Um, Al, what are the apostles that we never quite uh, hear about traveling uh, in the news?
0: They seem to be the ones that are uh, the octogenarians, the ones that have uh are way old <laughs> um you don't hear about iring going anywhere or nope. Oaks or Well, no i can I, tell
2: you why on that because yeah. he could never fit all the kleenex that he would need in his luggage right to travel with him. <laughs> you he know i, I think it, rebecca's so. on to something there yeah stay <laughs> home with a tissue box.
0: yeah that yeah. guy he'll, Sorry. he'll cry Continue at the drop of a hat <laughs> 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 i've seen uh, toddlers that don't cry so easily <laughs> when they really need a nap you know
1: Wow. Now, I, I, Elder Oaks, though, uh, I will take you out. He was at the University of Chicago just two weeks ago, by the way. And that's, that's where right. he gave his uh, the famous address that Jesus did not pray that his followers would be diverse. He prayed that they would be one. OK, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Russell Nelson, he doesn't travel. Ballard doesn't travel. Irene doesn't travel. You know, it's it's it must be a nice feeling knowing that even that, that you're part of a very, very exclusive club of people, um, an amazingly exclusive club raised up for the last day. You were a general in the war in heaven. But the Lord doesn't need you to be anywhere except your cushy office in downtown Salt Lake City on the sofa in your own living room. I was thinking, you know, these are some of the places that I don't know um, that I would think that apostles would want to go, but they never seem to do. And i I got quite a list here. So give me a second. Major conflict areas and war zones, United Nations General Assembly, U.S. Halls of Congress, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, basically anywhere where there's an evil tyrant and people who are brutally oppressed. We're not going there. They do like to visit Welfare Square for the 25th time for a photo op, but not any of these other places. No, major world religious peace gatherings, not there civil rights marches, demonstrations in the United States or abroad, climate, climate change conferences, anti-abortion, uh, anti-abortion play, uh, gatherings, gun control conferences, gun violence, shooting aftermath, anything having to do with women's rights to minister to survivors of Mormon sexual abuse, uh, vaccine conferences like the World Vaccine Conference door to door um, in even the most cushy missionary situations. I mean, has Russell M. Nelson or a member of the First Presidency ever knocked on the door of an investigator in his entire life? I'm almost done. Global initiatives to eliminate hunger, the aftermath of major disasters like uh, earthquakes or tornadoes, anywhere near a member of Ordained Women, the Arabian Peninsula, most of the Middle East. They don't come to my ward where I could ask them important questions like uh, about the SEC fine. Basically, anywhere where human suffering is acute and where divine leadership would be a blessing and where resources are desperately needed, they don't go there. Um, okay, that's my rant. Uh, Rebecca, how mm-hmm. do you feel about uh, the uh, this article? Well-
2: I feel, I feel like it's a reverse. Where's Waldo? Uh, where isn't Waldo? Now we know good heavens. And, and I think it basically is anywhere where aid could be given. Someone might reach their hand out and say, look at our situation. Can you help? Cause the optics on that are bad when they have to go, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we don't quite do that. Right. So anywhere aid could be given, a statement could be made, anything like that. They're just, it's too controversial. They just, they have to be middle of the road. They cannot weigh in on either side of it and they just can't go there.
1: Yeah. Al, how do you feel about this article? Well,
0: I mean, when it comes to these, uh, like, sending, like, they will send aid to places, and the church is very uh, very much the kind that uh, will tout that, oh, we're sending so many millions of dollars worth of humanitarian aid and food and, uh, you know, uh, medical supplies to these uh, places. But um, you're right that the apostles aren't the ones that are administrating it. They're, they're the ones telling them, oh, hey, send a few... uh uh, Semi trucks loads over to Ohio or wherever they're uh, needing it right now. Um, so it's not a matter of money because really, when it comes to uh, the kind of aid that helps, it's a pittance that uh, is required. I mean, we're talking about thousands of dollars would help, and they're willing to give that much. But uh, you're right, the uh, the apostles themselves. They would never go to those areas. And when you can contrast that with the apostles of Christ, uh, you know, uh, what Paul spent how many years in prison? John was uh, exiled to the Isle of Patmos because he wouldn't stop going to places where they didn't want him. Um, and, you know, all these uh, apostles would go to places and bear testimony to hostile crowds. Uh, shoot, I think Paul even went to uh, the heart of Rome. And, uh, you know, I mean, talk about the lion's den. Uh, yeah, but the modern day apostles, they just... Uh, they guys got stay safe because they're old.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say staying safe because in the same week here, we also have the general presidents of the Relief Society and the Young Women's. They also talked about their travels to Africa. And let me tell you, they are no better than the apostles and probably worse. The uh, Church News published an article this week highlighting these two sisters, quote unquote, sharing the gospel in Africa, almost exclusively with already believing saints in super media friendly, highly staged situations, not with heathens and infidels or those suffering from hunger and poverty. And and this is what I wanna say about the security, like you said, Al, the videos that the church released about the uh, uh, Sister Corden and Sister Johnson showed them in only one situation where they would be interacting with anyone who was not a faithful member of the church. And there was no sharing of the gospel um, that was going on in that particular conference. Uh, President, uh, President Corden, President Johnson, um, I know what the sharing of the gospel is really like. I did it day after day for two years as a full-time missionary in the streets of Washington D.C. Something mm-hmm. that I doubt that none of them know the slightest thing about. There's just Absolutely. a stark, uh, just a, there, there. There's a stark contrast between the presidencies visited in Africa um, and seeing these two incredibly white sisters, um, as white as it gets, with the people that they're <laughs> supposedly preaching the gospel to, who are almost exclusively black. Um, how do you feel about this article, Rebecca?
2: It almost seems like it's a photo op then, you know, if they're not really there to aid or they're not really there to find out what's going on. It, it's just kind of like a photo op. And that's really unfortunate.
1: Uh, there's, <laughs> there's just a huge contrast in between the two. And when you see yeah. them walking down the streets, they have church security with them. Yeah. They're, they're flanked on both sides by armed guards. And, and this is mm-hmm. why we're going to get into a missionary section here. Rebecca, when your yeah. son's on his mission, does he have church security with him?
2: He doesn't. And in fact, he has suffered a few attempted break-ins into his apartment to the point where I sent him pepper spray and suggested that, and he did purchase um, security cam, the fake kind, you know, that make it look like you Mm -hmm. have surveillance and also a sign, you know, that says beware of dog or beware of the spirit or beware of the three Nephites maybe because it's a missionary. Mm -hmm. But no, absolutely not. Um, There's definitely dangers to missionaries and anecdotally we can all tell stories. And I know that there are some horrifying situations in the news that just break my heart every time I read them.
1: Well, we really hope that your son's OK, and um, mm-hmm. I really hope that he has fine success in what it is that he's doing and that he turns out and that everything works out for him. I, you know, um, that, sure. that's really concerning to me. Um, yeah. it, I just see a contrast here between, first of all, the first presidency, not one of them served a full time mission. They don't know. They mm-hmm. don't have the foggiest notion. If you've not been a full time missionary, you don't have any idea. I don't care how many times you've been to the MTC, what it's like. OK, and mm-hmm. then we have Sister Corden and uh, Sister Johnson who are doing sharing the gospel on cushy t- uh, media uh, fo- photo ops while flanked <laughs> by church security mm-hmm. guards. You know, there's a level if you're on the top level, you have one type of experience in this church. If you're a low level person like um, like myself or, or like mm-hmm. Rebecca's son, then you have an entirely different uh, uh, church experience. Oh, you for know? sure. Yeah. And that brings us to this article this week here. Um, a missionary in Colombia was stabbed and he's recovering from critical condition. This is a horrifying mm-hmm. article here. Surgeons yeah, in Colombia induced a coma and performed multiple multiple surgeries to reconstruct uh, an artery, repair the veins and replace the collarbone. This is absolutely horrible here. Mm-hmm. He is still in a coma and doctors need to say that they have to slowly wake him up. His blood was having problems with circulation. He almost had to have an amputation. Um, it's a really, really troubling article.
0: You know, missionaries who uh are just you know what the boots on the ground uh as it were uh just out there trying to grow the church and share the gospel and they get they get robbed and in the middle of this robbing uh this poor kid just <laughs> he gets stabbed and uh, i mean when you look at the article you're like okay well maybe the knife went in and out no this was a situation where uh it uh damaged it did a lot of damage like you said they had to replace the collarbone they had to repair the veins and the arteries and uh you know multiple surgeries to get this fixed it, this wasn't a very you know just like oh somebody you know cut him in the tummy no this was something that's gonna affect this kid um likely for the rest of his life he almost had to have his arm amputated as a result of it and so really really,
1: really. He, he didn't have
0: any church security but now where's where's he going he's going to the places where the where what the the den of thieves and to where the sinners are to where the the dangerous areas. And so yeah, who needs the, the security more, the, those who are going to the pre-vetted areas uh, amongst the elite in the country or those who are going amongst the poor and the starving and the humble?
1: Yeah, and that's not the mm-hmm. only article this week. We have female LDS missionaries robbed and insulted in Chile. This was published on yeah. uh, May 1st uh, by Mary Blanchard on KUTV. So uh, the Chilean mm-hmm. media said that uh, one of these four women from Argentina was raped and at least one other woman was attacked by men who broke mm-hmm. into their apartment and, uh, and robbed them. You know, uh, it's just a really tragic situation. And you don't read about any of these in the church news. The church will not cover these uh, articles here. And I just want to say one thing, Rebecca, before you jump in here. Parents, when when you send your kids to college, I have a kid who's in college and I have another one who's going this next year. You can look up the crime statistics. You can have a basic idea of the safety of the situation in which you are sending your children. That's not possible for parents um, and their vulnerable children on the LDS missionary program we don 't know how many get killed every year we don 't know how many are are raped or assaulted or, or seriously injured or or whatever else it is it's a really dangerous endeavor and we just send people blindly into it with um, who are not at all prepared to repel attackers there's no physical defensive training or there's no you can't arm yourself it's just you know you're praying that God is going to protect these folks but unfortunately, time and time again. Um, bad things happen. Rebecca, your thoughts on these uh, really bad situations?
2: Yeah, this is another one of my heartbreaking soapbox items. And I don't think we have enough time on the show to go into everything, I think. But I do remember when growing up that there were lots of stories of missionaries being protected by the three Nephites. I don't know if you guys remember things like that, you know, divine intervention. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of moved away from those a little bit because it was very detrimental. People were feeling invincible and they were going into these places. But I personally, for some reason, have been a magnet for knowing people or knowing situations up close who have had really, really um, even passing away on a mission um, had had the worst outcome, and to the point where my middle son served a mission. This is about four years ago. I was extremely nervous to even have him go because I knew so. I had had recently a very close situation where someone had had a very bad outcome on their mission. So I feel like if I ever had a prayer answered, it was probably this time where I I my son was sent to Arizona, where I felt like he might be a little safer. <laughs> it was you know it was kind of a plug and play mission. Yeah. Um, but I know the church is aware of this. They don't publish it. In fact, what you see in these articles, like what you. Talk Talked about mm-hmm. what you what really stands out is the parents always say, "I know they're in good hands. I know they were doing what they were supposed to do." That's what stands out to people. So you have the sense of, "Oh, it's okay." You might read something unpleasant, but then there's this wonderful testimony at the end. And I know the church has had a survey out in the last couple of years about danger and things that have happened, and it's very traumatizing. If it doesn't happen to you, you know someone on your mission that it happened to you and you're still feeling trauma. I think a lot of people have PTSD from their missions. The church is trying to maybe quantify that, put some safety things in in place. But I get very upset when I read about a first world kid that went to a third world country. And it was. I I understand accidents happen anywhere, especially to young Mm -hmm. adults. But when it's something like touching a live electrical wire... That's a third world situation. And our first world children aren't, they're not equipped for that. They don't recognize yeah. that. They don't understand mm-hmm. that. So I get very frustrated when it's something completely avoidable like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, soapbox, I could go on and on. It's just, it's absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I can't express how upset I am about all of that.
0: And well, I think the church uh, created a lot of problems when they lowered the, the ages for missionaries mm-hmm. and by, uh, by yeah. uh, continuing this uh, whole preaching of everybody needs to serve a mission uh, so every LDS youth out there are very young and dumb and, uh, you know, they they don't have a lot of street smart. They haven't been alive long enough to have any street smarts. And uh, they're going into these uh, third world countries, like you say, Rebecca, where there's live wires uh, just hanging around because that's how it is in yeah. those places. They don't know yeah. not to grab hold of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the church has taken steps recently to improve the informed consent in the temple, letting you know what it is that you're being asked to do. The informed consent of a mission, however, you don't know what, how many people died in this mission last year. How many people got seriously injured? How many of them got yeah. sick because there's no clean drinking water and there's poor mm-hmm. access to sanitation? How many of them had, I don't know, flesh eating bacteria because they're sleeping on yeah. the ground and you don't mm-hmm. have proper places to sleep? Informed consent means we know what we're going to be getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. The missionary program has absolutely no con- uh, informed consent at the time, and it needs to be greatly improved. And one last thing, Rebecca, you know, please keep us posted on your son. We really hope. That uh, um, mm-hmm. that things improve for him and that things work out for him and um, we really we're rooting for him and for you, okay? Well,
2: absolutely. and what's funny is that he's saying he's having the time of his life, you know, which I think a lot of <laughs> elders and like he's he barely turned eighteen when he left. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Yeah. There's a huge difference between eighteen and nineteen, <laughs> and so it's a romp to him. But some of the stories that he mm-hmm. writes back that are a romp, I want to drive out there. <laughs> like well, yeah, I wanna, you know, and he's stateside, so you know, it's not even that mm-hmm. concerning. But but you're absolutely right what you said. If you know looking up statistics in a college area where your child might go, Mm -hmm. or somewhere to do an internship or a study abroad. If you read the reality, you would never let your child go to those things. But a mission, of course. So I I feel that three Nephite factor still exists. You really feel that there's some kind of protection.
1: Well, we need more than those three Nephites. Unfortunately, there's like 60,000 missionaries. We need 60,000 Nephites (laughs) because the three of them are not getting the job done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nope. They're mm-hmm. just, it's, that's, it's not enough. Some of these
0: missionaries, are uh, really consider it to be like a badge of honor, you know, that, oh yeah, I went on my mission. I got robbed. I got uh, assaulted or something. So they're kind of excited about it, which is a little yep. s- strange no, to me. That
2: young and dumb to be excited <laughs> yep. about that. You're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Um, if,
1: yeah, no problem. If you get uh, for our listeners out there, if you will leave us a five-star review, we'd greatly appreciate that. Now, there's some leaked documents, Rebecca, that you've got your, your hands on this week, which talk about a potential plan that has been leaked regarding a revamp of Temple Square. Wow, what's going on in downtown Salt Lake City?
2: Yeah, I just happened to come across these on Reddit. Somebody had posted them. Of course, they have since been taken down. <laughs> and it says copyright issues, which I understand because what? these were plans. Yeah, they're gone. You can't. I took a couple pictures, mm-hmm. but they're gone now. So um, they're basically plans. It looked like they were drafted around 2020 just to revamp Temple Square. I guess they take surveys. Of course, the church loves surveys. And they had surveyed people that had visited Temple Square, and the people weren't coming away with the desired outcome. Number one, they did not see it as the center of Christianity. And that is how it's supposed to be viewed. They also came away with not understanding what the heck goes on in the temple, which I can understand. Um, People actually came away feeling a little uncomfortable and and unwelcome, especially women visitors felt a little disenfranchised. And as I was reading that, I thought, God, this this should be the title of how do members feel (laughs) sometimes. But so based on these surveys um, that they they took, they've come up with this whole new plan. And it's basically, it's almost like a Disneyland kind of a scenario. I mean, it's this gorgeous grounds, a people's people mover to get people back and forth. Even the name change, do you remember the name change that they they're they're kicking around?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mountain of the Lord. Mountain of the Lord. The
2: mountain of the Lord. So I picture, I don't know, merchandise, T-shirts. I picture maybe like Disney princesses, Wives of Joseph Smith walking around. You can pay extra, <laughs> have breakfast with them. I picture maybe plush Moroni, Angel Moronois blowing their horn and waving with big padded gold hands. I mean, I think they really want to make it a place where people feel welcome and they learn more about, well, I don't know exactly what they can reveal, but they can learn more about. But another thing I thought was interesting, there was a whole section on how to keep people out. Of course. So they talked about Mm -hmm. iron gates, uh, fences, berms, things like that. So it's definitely, (laughs) I feel, going to be a lot like City Creek Mall, just a very exclusive place um, where they can wine and dine certain visitors. So we'll see if it ever happens. Like I said, they pulled the documents. I don't know if that means it's, but it's also a place to park billions of dollars. I mean, Mm -hmm. these plans, it was lavish. It was like a resort. So I think billions of dollars could be parked there if they really do it.
1: If it's like the City Creek Mall, then you don't have to wear your garments there, right? Because of the advertisements, mm-hmm. you know, with all the people I'm at thinking, City Creek. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. and if they have like a cafe and stuff, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I wish the plans were still there. And I wish I'd taken more pictures because it really was, it was a beautiful area. But again, certain people would be let in. And, and then I thought it was interesting because there was a part of it where it said how to, how it, the, the concept was how to make people form, feel more included who were visiting, but they kept referring to those people as non-members. So right there, mm-hmm. you've lost the yeah. battle. If you're going to call these how do we make non-members feel more included come on read your own sentence guys let it compute. come on come on you know i, I prefer
1: that i prefer the term gentiles or infidels that's that's yeah, just that, That's out.
2: much more yeah absolutely much <laughs> yeah. much more friendly and welcoming how do we make the infidels feel welcome that's it so anyway something will happen i don't know i'm sure there might be articles out more in the future about it that we can report on but there's something in the works something big mm-hmm. downtown
0: the the lbs church obviously citing copyright saying oh yeah you, you guys can have this image kind of makes me think that this is a legitimate plan that they're looking God. at doing something there are some uh, big changes uh not only has the church uh taken over main street and uh turned it into the main street plaza with these plans it's looking like they're going to take over state street as well so this is going to be at least two square city blocks
1: the plans say that they might uh, ax the hotel utah you know, there's, there's a certain wow. level of Vaticanization that we're talking about here. And Temple Square mm-hmm. is actually the 15th most visited tourist site in the United States. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the church's biggest mm-hmm. assets here. But I, I'm going to tell you that I'm not in favor. I'm, I'm in the minority. I'm not in favor of any of the revamp. And let me tell you why. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, I've are, we're all moving to Jackson County. So why are we wasting money on downtown Salt Lake City? You know what I'm saying? Makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they, removed the, <laughs> they, they removed the plans for copyright onto Reddit. And in the same week. For the first time, the church is now running forever family ads on Reddit. So we're taking down the plans for the Temple Square revamp, but now we have forever family. You know, the church, whoever's in the marketing department, let me tell you, the people reading Reddit, that is not... Fertile ground. What is that? The parable yeah. of the of the seed that goes by the wayside? That's yeah. like the red is like the wayside. That you're is the way. Wayside. <laughs> yeah. That's not There's where you There's no should be. soil. No. That's it's not salt where you're water. running ads. <laughs> yeah. You don't need ads there. Put it on Facebook Marketplace would be more effective. You know?
0: Absolutely. I
1: mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So hey, uh, that brings us to our Mormon News Roundup uh question of the week. If you come on over to Anchor or Spotify, you can interact with us on the question of the week. And Al, do you have that for us? Yeah, so the question this week is, how do you feel about the leaked plans for revitalizing Temple Square? Yeah, if you come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us on our poll of the week. Now, our next article here is, uh, she's back in the news again, Taylor Frankie Paul, the Mormon hashtag mom talk (laughs) soft swinger, was Uh arrested on suspicion of domestic violence, according to police. Now, um, here's the quote here. Al, do you have the quote here from her neighbor that says exactly what happened? Oh,
0: yeah. Their their neighbor loves her. Um, OK, so the quote is, she's a good mom. She's going through a lot in her life right now. Taylor's been struggling. It's been hard to hear for her. She is wrecked with guilt on her cheating scandal that cost her marriage.
1: <laughs> so she threw a chair. She had a a, a chair that she uh-huh. threw at her boyfriend and it hit a small child. Uh, I think it was her child. Um. And it's just, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what is going on? I mean. Uh, Rebecca, why does this dangerous and strange woman command so much? Ink? I'm going to tell you that there was dozens of articles about Taylor Frankie in the news this week.
2: Yeah, she's very popular because of her wildly popular, you know, mommy blogs, Mormon mommy blogs, and things like that. But my curiosity is, I read one article that said these were church chairs, and she threw a couple. So, oh my. Number one, it's the men that are supposed to carry the eight church chairs. You know, that's not true. the women. But yeah, Which so is why you know, she that's missed, how you right? kind of show your. <laughs> that's my. That's why I'm thinking. Maybe she dropped it, you know, because you're supposed to show mm-hmm. your prowess as a guy at church by, you know, mm-hmm. you know the levels of the celestial kingdom are based on how many chairs you can carry and put oh, back. I mean, that, we all know that's that. That's Right. The number so, of chairs. She can but I digress. is the number
0: of yeah. pl- cow wife you get right
2: <laughs> and that too but apparently she was heaving the chairs and I, i'm sure it was accidental that her daughter was standing next to her boyfriend yeah. and i'm sure that and then people witnessed it and so you know it's it's really unfortunate but it sounds like maybe just all this pressure and all the things that are happening she needs to go get some help because that is you know but yeah. it's in the spotlight because she's in the spotlight right yeah. and so yeah. like, that's just what you she's get the- you can't misbehave when you're so well known like that Though. I feel sorry she, for everyone involved. I feel sorry yeah. for the child and for yeah. her and for the husband. I just hope they can all get the help that they need.
0: She's such a weird uh, conundrum to me because um, it seems like her her big story that broke last uh, summer with the break of or, or the breakup of her marriage was that they were okay getting sexually involved with other people but not going all the way. So they're okay with soaking. Is uh, is that what uh, it no. seems like yeah, that no, happened? Yeah, no, you can do that. And, the, and her husband wasn't okay with that. <laughs> that this, was a strong <laughs> This is
1: more information that I was hoping for, Al. Yeah, I, you know, I you know. are a... no. Now
2: you've <laughs> that, you have said it. You are
1: the man. subject. You're the subject matter expert that the world doesn't need at this point. I, you know and what I, I am. mean? I very much yeah. am. Well, I went through. Yeah, if
2: you're you. not familiar with those terms, please do not look them don't, up. Yeah, all right, just for your own, do not go there.
1: Well, Al, we're glad that you're following this case as closely as you are, I'm sure yeah, you'll continue to keep, yeah, keep a careful eye on this case for us. Okay. I, and you're, I have recently discovered TikTok.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Pandora's box is open. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's happening with Taylor Frankie. She's one heck of a, she's one heck of a hot mess, you know, and I, I guess wow. that's why people love to watch a dumpster fire and she is the epitome of just craziness and, you know, oh, strange yes, religions, is. beauty influencing, domestic mm-hmm. violence, swinging. These are all of the terms mm-hmm. that just, just light up the web. So mm-hmm. I, I, I People think into all enough. of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Now, hey, this is another article here. LDS Church continues to send relief uh, to the earthquake victims in uh, Syria and Turkey. Now, the church has pledged $5 million back uh, since the devastating earthquake that took place in Syria and Turkey, in which... I don't know, 30 or 40,000 people mm-hmm. have, have died. And yeah. uh, General Kaze said that the losses and suffering caused by these earthquakes have been staggering and our hearts and prayers truly go out. So the church has made a substantial $5 million donation in mm-hmm. support of the uh, efforts here. And since the church has almost no presence in Turkey, they partnered with a number of different um, organizations, including the Development and Relief Agency, Project Hope, and a couple of other, uh, the, the Med Global and the Mercy Corps and a bunch of other organizations in order to mobilize um, and mobilize mm-hmm. those funds and, and do a lot of good in, Tur- in Turkey and Syria. Now, yeah. there's one thing I think that is extremely interesting about this article, and it's the final sentence of the article. And Al, what does it say at the bottom of this particular um, uh, this article?
0: It says that uh, these uh, contributions came from the LDS Charities Australia.
1: Whoa, wait, why, Rebecca? Why would that be on a footnote? Uh, I've not seen that before. What what's the deal with that?
2: Now, that is absolutely shocking. And you guys were the ones that pointed that out to me because we're used Mm -hmm. to seeing LDS charities. In fact, we look for that in articles because that means it isn't tithing. What it is is wealthy LDS donors are donating to a cause Mm -hmm. through LDS charities. They're receiving a tax break. And then the church, the whole article looks like the church has donated, but it really is this other sort of shell company, you know, donations. Never Mm -hmm. seen LDS uh, charities Australia. And that is because of the issue with tithing and contributions and charitable um, donations in Australia and the the mm-hmm. problem that they ran into is that things weren't going to charity there. So now the church has to make it very clear they are starting to funnel money I'm sure with the Australian permission, right? I'm sure the saints there in Australia know what they're donating to in other mm-hmm. parts of the world, but now they're going to you're going to see this on every single donation now because they've got to make it clear to the world and the world governments that they are taking these donations from the Australian mm-hmm. charitable giving fund.
1: And if they don't, the church can lose its tax exempt status in Australia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the big issue. So next time that you're going to the Bishop's storehouse and you're handing out that block of cheese to somebody, you know, on the Mm -hmm. bottom of that thing, it's going to say brought to you by the Aussies and LDS (laughs) Charities Australia. Here, take a bite.
0: Yeah, You're going (laughs) to... As you're going wow. into the Brigham City, Utah uh, Bishop Storehouse, right? That's what you're getting, is it? This is from the LDS Charities Australia. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I, predict, I feel like I we per- might see a label on our garments that say "Made yeah. by LDS yeah. Charities Australia." You know, and maybe they will be that nice khaki color. You know, put a strip yeah. on the Barbie mate. You know, maybe uh-huh. be something like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you open up the <laughs> lid of the piano in the cultural hall, and it was said that it was paid for by LDS uh, Charities yeah. Australia. You know what That's I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's absolutely.
0: This kind of harkens back to what I was saying earlier is that the church has no problem sending aid and very, like, publicly sending aid. So, I mean, this is something that the church is very proud that they're uh, donating $5 million uh, to, this, um, to this aid. So good for them for that. I, I think it's a little uh, funny that $5 million is the exact same amount that they were fined by the SEC, but <laughs> –
2: tit for tat exactly yeah. so they're basically <laughs> yeah. just a middleman if you they're just a middleman right. they are a conduit for generous LDS donors mm-hmm. to give money to these causes and they're yeah. a middleman mm-hmm.
0: yes
1: they are now, our next article here is LDS Church wants to light up a temple in places that, in a place that prides itself on dark skies. So, the Utah based faith urges Wasatch County to get on board with new outdoor lighting regulations. And, Rebecca, I know that uh, this is a, a subject that's near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm.
2: You are just hitting all my soapbox uh, items in this one episode. I'm going to have to, after we're done, just go cool down somehow. I don't know, get a pedicure, a massage. I'm getting all riled up here. So, in Utah, just walk outside. No, well, There's tons well, of well, snow
1: there. Whatever you that's do. That's true. <laughs> I have to
2: a snow angel when i'm done here yeah so like, whatever yeah. you
1: yeah, do right. just just tell taylor frankie paul to do the same thing whatever it is that you're going to do have her do the same thing okay yeah and i don't y- think i could y- get enough pedicures she's into to it help
2: yeah <laughs> i live in the same not i don't live in the beautiful part where this temple is going because that is where wealthy general authorities and apostles have their summer cabins so no i don't live there but but i live around there. But that area, the Heber Valley, is just absolutely known worldwide for its beautiful dark skies and pristine environment. And it's just a gorgeous place. And so now they're building I could go on and on about why do they need a temple there. I think it's because the general authorities and apostles need to walk like maybe two steps out the door to get into a temple that, or maybe an underground tunnel kind of situation. That's the only reason I can think because a lot of people there, it's, it's like a vacation paradise for people that mm-hmm. want to ski, that want to have their million dollar um, cabins there. It's just this beautiful area. So now the temple, of course, do you guys know the wattage on a temple? I didn't look that up. I live next to a temple and we literally don't need to turn our lights on at night because we can see... Does mm-hmm. anybody remember, is it um, Christmas vacation where they light yeah. up the lights and it's uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. it is like that? Like, seriously, there's no uh-huh. dark living next to a yeah. temple, which maybe that's a metaphor. No dark living next to a temple. Maybe that's what they're going for. I mm-hmm. don't know. But they want to have this temple um, lit up to the skies. And I think they did say, you know, they would turn it off after 10 p.m. and before 5 p.m. So you would have some dark. That's not enough. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That yeah, 5 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. And so basically the city council they have ordinances in place to protect the dark skies. Mm-hmm. This is how important it is. And so the there there's motions in front of the city council there to amend those ordinances so that the temple would be able to lit and be lit up. And the thing that really bothered me is that I saw on Reddit another leak to document. It's probably been taken down by now, but it was a letter sent to people mm-hmm. in the stake there and it basically said, "Hey, Time to do your civic duty. Why don't you happen to come on out to that city council meeting? Let's protect our temple, you know, or show our support Mm -hmm. for the Lord. It was just this very vague terms. Everybody knew what that meant. We got to get this ordinance passed. We got to get this temple built. We got to got this temple lit to Kolob and do your Mm -hmm. duty, Mormon. That's what we've got to do. So. Boom. Yep. once again there you go I'm <laughs> gonna go out and make a snow angel while you guys finish talking because <laughs> yeah you know,
1: how, many, you- how many soap boxes do you have by the way There's a
2: lot if you wow. have me on regularly, you will find out
0: <laughs> yeah well Rebecca, you're not alone in your uh frustration with this there's a lot of people that um are really upset by the light pollution uh, that uh you know we can't see the stars at night that the skies are 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 black, but if you turn off all the lights, you find out that there's a million trillion stars out there, and uh, that's one of the places that, that you can go to right now is uh, Heber City in uh, Wasatch County, Utah, and you can see the stars and the, the the starry sky. You can see the the Milky Way flying across the the sky there, um, and the just putting up one temple can destroy that, and uh, that's something that's really got a lot of people
2: upset. Yep, eyesore. Yeah. I, I said it, eyesore. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> But there, there's okay. options. I mean, to light it from above, to have uh, the light uh, cascading down instead of shooting up to the sky, because that's really what the problem is.
1: But my feeling is it's probably going to get past pretty much anything I the church know. wants yeah. to do. Yeah, the church is the major kingpin in the state of Utah. Yeah. What they say really um, is probably going to happen. So it's Seems probably like going to happen. Now, our next article here is uh, the world premiere of Ronald's Little Factory. This is a campy (laughs) horror movie based on uh, Boyd K. Packer's famous talk. So Ronald's Little Factory is a dark comedy about a 16-year-old Mormon boy who goes to ridiculous lengths to stay on the straight and narrow path. And uh, Rebecca, you, you got some scoop on this, right? There's two screenings in the Salt Lake City area, right?
2: Yeah, I did have a scoop on this. Um, I am friends with Brent Bakalvoy, the director, mm-hmm. and his brother is David Bakalvoy. You probably know that name. He's a New Testament scholar, so really talented family. And he put this together. He has a background in independent horror genre, sort of. And he he put this film together, and I kind of came across it. I run a Facebook page called The Good Media Club, where I kind of curate media that Mormons might, post-Mormons, nuanced Mormons might be interested in. So this was right up the alley right there. So he basically came up with this concept of if you're not familiar with the Boyd K. Packer talk. Uh, Again, don't look that up. We're telling everyone not to look things up. No, but it was a talk given in the 70s where he basically was telling young men how to just kind of, you know, remain pure and kind of made this horrible analogy, completely inaccurate about your body being a factory and don't tamper with the factory. You know, certainly don't touch the assembly line, you know, just don't do anything with the factory. And so, yeah, this was was an amazing, fun little film. It was screened in Salt Lake twice last week to sell out crowd, absolutely. And it is now going on tour to film festivals. It's going to circle back to Utah and Idaho and Arizona and they'll get the word out probably on Facebook and then eventually it will be um you'll be able to rent it I think on Amazon so a really fun little project and you know it was campy and it was funny but it was also very poignant because a lot of us went through that kind of discussion and shame and guilt growing up you know being told that your natural healthy sexual development was something that you you know needed to curb or stop or be ashamed of so it definitely addresses those issues in sort of a i'd say like an 80s comedy style kind of dark but you know by the end it was definitely very poignant and a lot of people had some pretty strong reactions there was someone in the Mm -hmm. audience that raised their hand during the q a and said that he was there during that talk um, that elder packer gave in the 70s and and he said at the time everyone just took it at face value and said of course of course we should feel ashamed of course we should feel guilty and you know i think a lot of us growing up in that era, we still have maybe some trauma from that. So this is the way to work that out. Go see this crazy film and look Mm -hmm. for it. If we find information on it, maybe we can post it here too, because like I said, it's going to circle around, but it, mm -hmm. it was really interesting.
0: Yeah, I think uh, this is a sort of movie that goes quite against what uh, Taylor, Frankie, Paul is uh, all about. It's trying to break down those barriers, right?
2: That's it. Yeah. Breaking down those barriers. That's it. Yep, yeah. yep.
1: Yeah. Did watch some of the film. Uh, I think I watched all of the film. Actually, it's very funny stuff. I need to do a review of it on Mormon movie reviews. I do have a YouTube yes. channel where I do some reviews yeah. on that. Uh, it's funny though, look Rebecca, that, that you said don't. You said don't look it up. What's funny is that the church removed this particular talk from its website. When you go yeah. to the Enzyme magazine mm. for that general conference this particular talk is not there anymore, yeah. which makes it a hard to find talk. I, gee, I wonder why. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they, yeah, they, they certainly, certainly have doubt to- it. Yeah. They
0: had to wait and until Boyd K. Packard died before they removed it, Before they could take
2: it down. Well, and the other thing that it's based on, and this has also been taken down everywhere, except for I know where it is. It's the Mark E. Peterson pamphlet. Um, it's like 25 steps to avoid um, self-abuse, basically. And that is where oh, wow. the idea from this movie also comes from, that one of the horrible mm-hmm. ideas is if the temptation is too great, you need to handcuff yourself to the to the bed. And this in this movie, this poor missionary on the eve of leaving for the MTC does this and gets stuck. And then all of his ward members mm-hmm. file in to try these different things but but you know that pamphlet um it uh they take that down anywhere that they can find it too because the, you know they don't want to show the crazy that it was to grow up in the 70s and 80s it was just insane
1: yeah <laughs> luckily the church in this last general conference revamped the uh, strength of the youth uh, guidance and they took out the prohibition against uh so-called self-harm or masturbation i'm going to use the m-word yes. here um so yeah. the, the church has definitely imp- has improved um mm-hmm. it's um a, a much more positive uh, outlook on these particular matters yeah. but ronald's little factory is aiming to is aiming at the satire at what the church's position used to be the extreme church position with what it is now and it makes for a pretty funny satire in my opinion now our our last article here our feature article here is the Deseret News um, statement on the Dilbert Mm -hmm. comic strip so the Deseret News used to run the Dilbert comic strip as part of its uh, features and Scott Adams the creator of the comic strip has been in a lot of hot water lately for the fact that it turns out that he's kind of a terrible person and a white supremacist and a horrible racist and this (laughs) is actually been, yeah, this has actually been building for years. I've always enjoyed Billboard comic strip because I've worked in offices. I find it to be very funny and uh, (laughs) uh, very poignant, but it turns out that the creator is like a whack job cuckoo off the rails. Yeah,
0: I'm a little surprised by that. I did look into it a little bit, what he was uh, saying, and I guess I did a a poll of uh, black Americans, and they said, is it okay to be white? And uh, there was like 20% said no. And uh, like 80% said, be, well, of course, it's all right to be white. You know, it's just different color of skin. But uh, I guess he was trying to point out that, hey, there's uh, racism from the other side as well. And this is where the whole cancel culture is stemming from. So uh, I don't know if he's raging, but uh, he's he's got some points there that, you know, uh, we shouldn't judge anybody based off of the color of their skin, regardless of what tone it is. But at the same time, you do need to be sensitive to, if you're making statements of, of their derogatory based solely on race, then that's a problem. And, uh, so this is something that I, I can see where the church is coming from trying, or I guess, uh, yeah, I'll say the church because Deseret News is the, um, is the, uh, journalist arm of the church. And this is, uh, this is what they're saying is that, yeah, we're not going to encourage, um, white supremacy by running a, a white supremacist comic strip anymore.
1: Yeah. In fact, the executive director, executive editor of the Deseret News, Doug Wilkes, he, he gave out a particular mm-hmm. statement regarding this Dilbert cartoon, which I find very remarkable. Al, could you read us that statement that he said about why Dilbert was canceled?
0: Yeah. So the quote is, we are no fans of cancel culture and believe strongly in free speech. But such blatant racist statements, falsely labeling and characterizing whole groups of people are not compatible with the Deseret News and counter to the work we try to do, unquote.
1: Yeah, I do find a lot of irony in this particular statement because the church has falsely labeled and characterized whole countries of people as Lamanites. Oops, Mm -hmm. just kidding. Now we don't know who the Lamanites are. So I guess that was wrong. The church leaders falsely labeled and characterized some specific Native American tribes as Nephites. That was what Spencer Campbell did in his famous BYU uh, talk in 1950. Oops, now that's just prophets speaking as men. The Mm -hmm. church has falsely labeled and characterized Native Americans as cursed by God. Oops, it wasn't their skin. It was some kind of a mark or clothes or something. Gee, we don't know. Falsely labeled not just Native Americans, but also yeah. black persons who are uh, black persons. Mm-hmm. The church has falsely labeled and characterized them as divinely cursed, descendants of Cain, then sitters in heaven, not ready for the keys to the car. And Joseph Smith himself falsely labeled and characterized the black figure in of uh, Simile three as a slave when, oops, it's actually the god Anubis. Um, how do you mm-hmm. feel about the difference between um, you know, the church falsely labeling and characterizing groups of people based on skin color? And then now the Desert News says, Oh no, no, that's 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 morally wrong. How do you feel about that, Rebecca?
2: Oh, I think it's a situation of, what is it, the quote, the beam in your own eye and not seeing the moat in the other, or is it reversed? Yeah, Uh, (laughs) reversed. Yeah, they're just not seeing what they're they're doing themselves, right? And uh, for them to come out so vocally, I mean, it's very ironic. Do they not think anyone's going to see the irony of this? I mean, they must just be tone deaf if they don't recognize that putting out that statement is going to make people go, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the most amazing thing. Is Scott Adams said specifically that white people should stay away from black people. That was his most controversial statement. Yeah. But that's what that was the church policy for years, and in fact, maybe still is because it's never been brought back. BYU in the 19 all the way up until the 1970s sent denial letters to prospective black students at BYU for no other reason than skin color. White people staying away from black people. The church had no missions in black Africa in the, until the 1980s. Again, white people staying away from black people, and the church missionaries in the United States were told uh, not to bring to the restored. God possible to any person of black descent, literally telling missionaries to stay away. Now, D. Michael Quinn looked at this particular, um, uh, the church's history of uh, racism here. And Al, do you have this quote from um, D. Michael Quinn and his book?
0: Yeah. So the quote goes, even after federal emancipation of America's slaves in the 1860s, LDS church president Brigham Young referred to African-American slavery as a religious necessity Earlier, as both church president and governor, he had instructed the Utah legislature in 1852 to legalize the slavery of African Americans. For more than a century, Utah restricted African Americans from patronizing white restaurants and hotels, prohibited them from public swimming pools, and required them to sit in the balconies of theaters. During World War II, African Americans wear, uh, wearing their nation's uniform had to sit in the balcony of Utah theaters, while German prisoners of war sat on the main floor with white servicemen and civilians. Utah law also prohibited marriage between a white person and a black person, including persons only one-eighth Negro.
1: Unquote. Now, thanks for reading that, Al. It was very important also to point out at this time that race is a social construction. There is no such thing as race. There's no genetic test where you can say, I'm a black person, I'm a white person, or, or whatever else it is. It's an entire a figment of social construction. Okay, So the church mm-hmm. has had a history of falsely labeling people as black when there is no such thing as uh, as a person who is black. That is only a social construction. Uh, Brigham Young was opposed to black voting rights because he did not want equality among the races. And it's not just Brigham Young. You can say, OK, Brigham Young, I know he's a product of his time. We don't don't worry about Br- as Brad Wilcox said, uh, Brigham Young was a jerk. We got to move past him. Well, this all the way, all the way up until our modern time here. And we have Marky e. Peterson in a, a 1954 speech to church educators out. Um, can you read that one for us, too?
0: The Negro seeks absorption with the white race. He will not be satisfied until he achieves it by intermarriage. That is his objective, and we must face it. We must not allow our feelings to carry us away, nor must we feel so sorry for the Negroes that we will open our arms and embrace them with everything we have.
1: Okay, um, do, uh, do you, um, Rebecca, do you th- how do you think Marky Peterson and Scott Adams, if they were having a cup of uh, a cup of coffee together, I guess that's a bad analogy. If they were having a, a if they were having a t- <laughs> If they were having tea in the Museum of Art on BYU campus, how do you, how do you think that they would be able to relate to one another?
2: Yeah, I think they'd be best friends, right? Ah. <laughs> oh, no, and again I have to point out this is Mark E Peterson, mm-hmm. the same one with the horrible pamphlet. The more yeah. I learn about him, there's just something not right there. Honestly, uh-huh. there if anyone yeah. needs to be canceled and that's harsh to say or maybe just mm-hmm. some of his ideas or teachings, it's just not right and they should no, not sure. they should not exist in the 21st century. They just shouldn't.
0: Yeah, yeah um, just just reading that quote, uh, it tasted gross coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. sorry about that. You need a tic tac, Al. You I Need do. to go get a tic tac. I need a whole, a whole box of tic tacs. <laughs> okay,
1: Ugh. so Rebecca, is this a bad yeah. time to bring up uh, what I believe is Marky e. Peterson's most famous quote? And he said, "Quote: Many of our women now feel obliged to not only display their badly shaped knees, but their thighs yeah. as well." No woman looks as lovely as when she is properly and fully clothed. What woman can suppose that ugly knees and bony shoulder blades can add luster to her charm?
0: I guess he likes the thicker girls, huh? (laughs)
2: no but then he has that other quote which you know, there, know there's a provenance issue we're not sure where he said it but lots of people say we're say he is very proud after 43 years of marriage to say he has never seen his wife unclothed oh. so and he, that was a that was he said that to young men apparently is that something that we should all but maybe his wife had the well, thicker thighs and the bony shoulder yeah. blades i don't know it seems uh, a very uh, obscure fetish-esque thing to bring up honestly. Not.
0: i wonder if he was closeted i don't know no you know, no I, I,
2: no joke yeah, no, there, uh, yeah. we won't go into that here, but yes, you're on the right, right track. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I
1: thought. Yeah. I've, got, I've got one more quote to go along with this. President Wilkinson learned uh, at BYU that someone had hired a, a person of Black descent to be an adjunct faculty member, and he said mm-hmm. that it was a serious mistake of judgment. I wish we could take him on our faculty, but the danger in so doing is that students and others will take license from this and assume that there is nothing improper about mingling with the other races. End quote. Is this not uh, and many, this, this list could be much more multiplied than this. We don't mm-hmm. have time to go into all of this. Is this not clear prophetic council and also BYU council that mm-hmm. says white people should stay away from black people? And
0: that's 1960. I mean, th- yeah, this yeah. is not, this is not ancient history. This is, uh, this is fairly recent. I mean, 18 years later is when you have the, uh, uh, the black band that gets lifted, but, um, You know this whole thing—the the the way that they talk about the races as being so um, cut and dried, and you know uh, what, black and Uh, white—because it's very much not black and white. I mean, it's a bit of a pun there, but uh, it's—we are a whole melting pot of different cultures and different heritages, and it's impossible to say, oh, you shouldn't have anything to do with someone just because of the color of their skin. Well, how do you know what race they are just based solely on the color of their skin? There's Italians with extremely dark skin. There's, you know, uh, there's uh, uh, Africans with extremely light skin. Yeah. Yeah, there's a he lot does.
2: more to it than anybody knows and there's a lot more yeah. to the lifting of the priesthood ban. Now, on my podcast Mormonish that I do with my um, co-host Landon Brophy, we went into this um, on an episode called The Lifting of the Ban and it really is all about how eventually they could not tell what race anyone was and it had to do with or- priesthood ordinations, it had to do with South America. I mean, it is a it is quite a tale. So if anyone wants to check out that episode, it's on Mormonish podcasting and, and it was mm-hmm. when we did a deep dive into that, it is way more sorted than anybody would believe or that we could go into uh-huh. here, but it is absolutely fascinating. There's so much more to the story.
1: Yeah. When we had Landon on, we discussed that episode. That's a really good episode on the Mormonish, yeah. by the way. But if see, this is the whole point here. Uh, he says that falsely labeling and characterizing whole groups of people is antithetical to what the, the church's goals and the desert is. But from what I've read in Mormon history, falsely labeling and characterizing whole groups of people based on supposed skin color, which is a social construction anyway, is totally compatible with with the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm wondering why there's such an issue. And none of this has been walked back. There's been, a, the only thing that, and it's very important, if you look at the race in the priesthood band gospel topics essay, mm-hmm. the only thing that has been walked back is the idea of a, a black persons were fence sitters in the war in heaven. That's the only thing that's disavowed. None of the rest of it is disavowed because it's in the Pearl of Great Christ. It's in the book of Moses. It's in the book of Abraham. None of that has been disavowed. Neither has the prohibitions against interracial marriage. We just don't talk about it anymore.
0: On that same note, I'm really curious if we were to go back through the archives of the Deseret News, how many blatantly racist
1: articles we'd find in those archives. From publishing those Brigham Young, when Brigham Young, his yeah. conference addresses, like the 1852 conference address, which is the worst general conference address that has ever been delivered, when Brigham Young was saying, We're becoming a Utah state and we want to be a slave state. That is literally the worst talk in Mormon history. That's published in the Deseret News.
2: And also in the Deseret News, um, again, Marquis Peterson, he was a huge holdout on the lifting of the priesthood ban. Yeah. And um, they basically had to pass it when he wasn't there. And they said, okay, fine, fine. You can publicize this, but at the same time, you really have to put the hammer down on any kind of interracial interaction. So there's actually in the church news back in the day, there's an article saying priesthood ban lifted, same issue, evils of interracial marriage. So again, saying one thing out of one side of your mouth, another out of the other, you know, it's just, it's horrific.
1: And this brings us to our Mormon News Roundup Poll of the Week. And Al, do you have our Mormon News Roundup Poll of the Week? If you come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us on our poll.
0: Yep. The poll this week, uh, here's the question. What is the difference between Dilbert cartoonist Scott Adams' toxic white supremacist rhetoric and LDS
1: church doctrine? That's a good question. Uh, Rebecca, we'd like you to be the first person to take our poll. And um, is it number one?
2: The difference is blatant discrimination is only cool within the bounds the Lord has set. All truth can be circumsri- circumscribed into one great whole.
1: Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's, that's what I'm one. getting is blatant discrimination mm-hmm. is only cool within the bounds the Lord has set. And all truth right. can be circumscribed into one great whole. I've heard that somewhere. I, I'm not, I can't put my finger on exactly Sounds where it familiar. is. Sounds familiar. I'm not yeah, sure. It does, it does. <laughs> or is it number two?
2: Number two is, at least Scott Adams never advocated for the use of javelins to solve racial challenges. This will always be so. Oh, my goodness, you <sighs> went there.
1: <laughs> I love
0: that quote. That that phrase always, it, it was Brigham Young's favorite yeah. phrase, so there's no
1: question yeah. where it came from. <laughs> I went there. That's that's prophetic counsel, Rebecca. Get on board. Or is it number three? Uh,
2: you know, ish. Okay. <laughs> um, Dilbert only espouses racist ideas as a man slash cartoon, whereas prophets espouse racist doctrine on the Lord's as the lord's anointed yeah that's that's the big difference
1: See, Dilbert, Uh he's only a man or a cartoon whereas Mm -hmm. prophets and revelators if they say the same thing they're the lord's anointed so i guess it's no big deal i'm not sure i don't know
2: well and we don't know if dilbert is speaking as a man or as a cartoon so we have really no idea to tell what's happening here that's very
1: confusing it's hard to know if he's speaking as a man or a cartoon that's true
2: exactly (laughs) i have that problem with with prophets too yeah that's true Uh, Are we ready for number four? Okay. Um, Scott Adams hasn't received the second anointing, so he doesn't really know any better. That's true. That's probably valid. That's true. But some
1: people have, so presumably they would. Or I'm not too sure. Again, this is a very confusing poll. Or is it number five?
2: Number five, Dilbert was probably a fence-sitter in the war in heaven. I'm going with that. That's the one I'm going with right there. Like Number five, one. Dilbert was a
1: fence-sitter in the war in heaven. Okay, <laughs> Al, what, what, what is your, uh, uh to this poll, what is the difference between uh, Dilbert cartoonist Scott Adams' toxic white supremacist rhetoric and LDS church doctrine? What are you going with?
0: Uh, I like number four, but I'm going with Rebecca's uh, choice of number five. I, I yeah. strongly feel that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Dilbert was probably a fence hitter in the war in heaven. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> okay. Hey, um, uh, Rebecca, real quick. What projects do you have uh, coming up for um, those listeners out there? I know you're involved in so many things.
2: Oh, let's see. What can I plug? Well, I'll plug my virtual reading group, the Good Book Club, uh, which is for Poster Nuance Mormons. We read a book a month and we meet every second Sunday at 11 a.m. virtually. You can find us on Facebook. That's kind of our logo there. Um, Also on Instagram, just come read with us. It's really fun. We also have, like you mentioned before, our Mormonish podcast with my wonderful co-host Landon, who you've had on before. And we just recently put out a really interesting episode about the SEC and what did TBMs think about this that I mentioned. So that is a good one if you want to kind of figure out what's going on out there. Um, also in the finance world, I'm doing a series with um John DeLynn on the Mormon Stories Podcast with RFM and an accounting professor talking about the Widows Mart Report. If you want, oh, wow. if you looked at it and said, I cannot understand this, we're gonna help you understand it. I mean, I'm I'm on the show because I'm a layman. I'm the one that goes, What? Say that again. So mm-hmm. I represent <laughs> all of you. But but really, we were actually gonna do it all today, like 59 slides, and we got through in three hours, maybe like 10. So we're breaking it into oh, parts boy. now. So look for that on Mormon Stories Podcast. Podcast, if you want to really dive into that and understand it, I think it's very important to understand.
1: You've got some big projects coming on, but so do we. We have some huge uh, shows yep. and guests coming up. We've got John mm-hmm. Hamer on, who's going to be coming on next week. And we have Sophronia, special guest host on March 19th. And Jonathan Streeter from Thoughts and Things and Such is going to be on in the near future. Guys, have we ruminated mm-hmm. properly on The Great and Spacious Beehive? This was another
0: big week, but I think we covered it.
2: Yeah. And how.
1: It was a lot.
0: That's right. Thank you so much, uh, Rebecca, for joining us again. We are always glad to have you whenever we can get you. Uh, We'd like to also give a shout out to Weird Alma for this episode's music. And thanks so much for ruminating with us on The Great and Spacious Beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing.
2: When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. Satan, Satan, Satan.
1: Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to
0: hurt. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.